0: So I wanted to uh, talk some tonight on um, a little bit about that sutta that we didn't get to today on generosity, um, but uh, but first to talk uh, some about um, the experience of generosity as uh, as the Buddha set set it up um, with the whole relationship between the lay and monastic community. Um, it's something you know once. Been practicing with for a long time. I've been going to the monasteries for um, 20 years now, and uh, spending two or three months there every year, um, living the lay side of this relationship, you know, uh, the offering and learning about giving in that way. And uh, but uh, even though I was doing that for so many years in that way, we um, I had never been to Thailand before. Never been to a Buddhist country to see how uh, it's um, you know gets played out there which is a very different uh, in, in some ways a very different experience um, m- much more in um, just m- more connected and more uh, it, it, the way that the Buddha actually set it up you know uh, and uh, so it was quite a, quite an experience for us a number of us went we had uh, undergone this training with a, a few of the monks at uh, uh, Abayagiri in California for a period of like three and a half years and then we said, well, you know, we ought to do something really appropriate to celebrate our graduation from this training. And, and so um, the senior monk there came up with this idea, well, let's go to Thailand, you know. We'll, we'll head, and we'll go and visit a lot of the Ajahn Chah monasteries uh, and then um, end up a, in January, January 16th is the um, anniversary of Ajahn Chah's passing. And so every year there's a huge convocation of uh, the monks and nuns in the lineage from all over the world mm-hmm. uh, descend upon northeast Thailand, Vah Vah Phan, Vah Phan Anishet, which are the Thai and the uh, primary um, international monasteries in the lineage. So uh, it, I mean just on that level it can be very exciting because there's just uh, hundreds and hundreds of monastics. Uh, uh, coming to pay respects and to remember their, their teacher and their guide, so it was, it was, it's really, really wonderful, you know. But even before we got to the monasteries, um, just traveling around different parts of Thailand, um, living in, uh, I lived in Bangkok for a while, you know, we went to the south, we went to the far west over by Burma, um, we went to the northeast and the central parts, and every place we went. Um, there's this most amazing thing that happens at dawn every day. <laughs> no matter where you are, uh, you just, if you're in the city of Bangkok, you go out into the streets, um, everywhere you look, there's parades of um, monastics uh, in their ochre robes, barefoot, single file, they're bold, you know, and, and just walking through the villages, walking through the streets, and um it's the daily dawn walk collecting the collecting of alms, and all along lining the roadway as they walk uh, 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 the laity are often kneeling on grass mats with their offerings and uh, uh, the, the whole thing is called pindapad, which actually means um, rice plopping you know it's plopping of the rice <laughs> into the bowl you know something <coughs> about, i mean i'm probably killing the translation but it's something to this uh, this effect you know don't um and uh, it, it was just before we even got to the main monastery, just the observing of this um, was very, very moving. You know, <laughs> I couldn't watch it without crying. And yet even though I had been going to the monasteries for many years doing very much the same thing every day, but not in the same way. You know, the the, the, the humility of the barefoot walk. The, the total silence, the heads down, no exchange being made in any way, <clears throat> just the, um, the offering and the receiving, <clears throat> this as, a, as an activity every day. So one, uh, we were staying uh, for a length of time at Wat Shet, and they said, uh, so some uh, people say, well, why don't you get up, let's get up really early and we'll go out and we'll watch them leave, you know, all the, the, the monks leave and walk through the villages and then we'll wait for them to come back and, and so we did. And um, after we saw them leave, we went and you know took a stretch and uh, cleaned up a little bit and came back. And we came to the the back gate of Wat shot. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I knew it was going to be interesting, but I had no idea. Um, we we um, there were about six or eight of us at the at the time. So we walk out to the back gate and the whole. Um, entranceway to the monastery. is just lined with um, people on their um, straw mats, some with chairs, with trays and trays and trays of food. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't even thinking, none of us were. Of course, we didn't have the wherewithal to get to a store anyway. We didn't really bring anything. We were just kind of going to watch it, you know, <laughs> and to see, see what this was all about. But, of course, the Thai people weren't having any of that. They saw us and they said, Oh, come on, come on, you know, ha- come and help. We have lots, we have lots. So it was like they, they would bring enough food for themselves to offer, but enough food for anybody who might show up to offer as well. So it's like, it's almost like we've well, we got the feeling that I, I don't want you to miss this. Here, have some stuff, you know, so you can give it too, because this is a, this is, this is a wonderful experience. And one of the women with, uh, with us was um, the mother of two monks. Uh, an English woman and <clears throat> so you know when that got out <laughs> you thought or she the queen of England had just arrived you know <laughs> they came out somebody ran into the monastery and got a big old chair you know and put the chair there and, you know every, she, everything short of draping it and pu- pu- uh, putting pillows under her feet you know just to to make her comfortable and uh, giving giving her a huge bowl of um, sticky rice to, to offer and uh, uh, you know we were it was just so moving it was so emotionally touching we were um, you know like little kids and then uh, you know off in the distance it's still just the dawn is just breaking off in the distance from three different directions at once you start to see this parade coming of the of the monks in single file heads bowed, bowls out and all a bunch of little um, uh, temple boys and girls following behind with bags because the bowls get so full, uh, especially on these kinds of occasions, during, you know, during the regular time it's um, eat, eat what you receive and close the bowl and go, go away. But during these times they don't want to stop the giving when there's so many people. So uh, the the little temple kids, you know, take the food out of the bowls and put it in bags and bring it back to the monastery so that the bowl can be empty again so new people can offer, you know. And this just goes on for the whole time of, of the walk. So here they are, um, Coming down the lane, and we're like, oh, rubbernecking, you know. It's supposed to be this quiet, solemn ceremony, you know, and 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 yet you know, we're like, oh, look, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Oh, that's Ajahn Semedo. Oh, good, good, good. We get to give him something, you know, and or that's Ajahn Almira. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. just getting all looking yeah. for my friends' uh, sons, you know, uh, if we if we could find them, and have this opportunity to give to them, and uh, you know, it was just this. Uh, 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 amazing, um, delightful experience. And um, I don't know, it was like, a, you know, in, in the exchanges, the way, that, the way that it's laid out in the, in the books and the training manuals basically is that, you know, they're to keep their head um, low and quiet and, and not make eye contact, and the laity to solemnly put it in. And this exchange is supposed to happen without thank yous. Without eye contact and all this, it's a very specific um, setup for it. Not because there, there's no gratitude going on, but just because um, one wants to be able to focus fully on the experience and not have anything that's going on divert your attention, because it's all about what's happening. What's happening to you as the giver, what's happening to them as the receiver, you know? and, and learning about the experience of open heartedness and generosity through through this this kind of uh of, of experience you know this kind of uh, exchange really or communion you know <laughs> it's not even really an exchange it's a shared uh experience and uh you know for for the lay people we were just uh, giddy with the light and for them as they describe it to us later you know it, it's a it's a humbling thing. Um, it, it, it it brings about a wish to make oneself worthy, to, just to, to practice in a way so as to be worthy of this kind of generosity. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, we would we would uh, just be so um, almost like it's silly in it uh, that. Uh, you know, I remember at one point uh, just looking at, at, at Ajahn Sumedho, and he, you know, he would he would the, the, the especially the Western monks would um, just kind of break this code, just as we were breaking it, because of the uh, apparent uh, delight and seeming like like a, a wish to acknowledge what was going on here, you know, and at one point, you know. My John Cramer just looked up, and he just goes, he just like we're grinning, and he's grinning, and it was almost like he was saying, "Isn't this fun? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Aren't we all having fun?" <laughs> you know? and, and and that's that's the way it felt, you know. And and it was it it affected me in a way that I didn't really expect. And you know, one of my first responses was just to to stand back and and to look um, at my own life and. Um, sometimes when I experience such a strong emotional response to something, then uh, I want to look at it, I want to evaluate it and say, why? What's, what's, why? Why this? Why this kind of response? And so I was doing that with this, and you know, one got the sense that there was something missing in, in my life, that um, you know, such that this, this wellspring of offering, just it was almost like a log jam that was just being opened up, and it just it just wanted to come, come pouring out, you know, and and uh, really reflecting on the ways that one is kind of holding things a little too close to the chest, <laughs> you know what I mean, and not really um, being such that this kind of um, natural human uh, offering, sense of offering. Um, could be so bottled up that it would have to come out with such giddy energy. you know what I mean? Uh, it was a it was a good it was a very important reflection for me to see, and it, you know it made me wonder about us too, just as a as a culture. You know, how, how um, certainly there's it's not that we're not generous. There's an unbelievable generosity. Americans all over the world are widely viewed as um, I- I- extremely uh, generous people. But uh, just recognizing maybe perhaps in that moment that the, the, the past giving in my life somehow felt measured, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it felt uh, mm-hmm. less than, because this was so clean, there was nothing wanted in return. It was even in some ways just a complete and utter expression of the things that one holds dear one values, and that's it. It's a complete act in itself, you know, I offer, I extend. So I, I thought a lot about the genius of the Buddha, you know, <laughs> with this, in that uh, he set it up this way. This, is, this was something that was established by him, you know, in his lifetime. Um, this very simple structure and uh, ceremony, and yet with, with such amazing results, for the good of all of the people um, who participated in it. And I, and I thought a lot about the, the Thai people, you know, this is a country, 90, 97% Buddhist. And um, they are, hands down, I mean, one doesn't want to over romanticize uh, them as a people because there's, there's individuals within it. But my experience of them, you know, hands down, was that they were some of the happiest people I ever met in my life, you know. And, and, and then I said, well, no wonder, this is how they start their day, every day. They get up before dawn and prepare food, and they're out on the street uh, to offer it before the, the monks and nuns as they, as they come on. You know? And, and uh, you know, to be fair, I mean, it's very hot in Thailand. Everybody's up before dawn preparing food for themselves, and that, but that was the idea. That was why the, the Buddha set it up like this, that it was, um, it was not intended to be a burden. It was um, that they were doing what they were doing uh, for themselves, and as Andy was saying today, maybe giving the leftovers, although it doesn't get played out that way. But while I'm preparing for myself, let me prepare for these others who um, the Buddha has uh, restrained, restricted from preparing their own food, from storing up food, from doing anything like that uh, to provide for their own uh, food, clothing, shelter and medicine. That instead was uh, the um, domain of the society in which they lived. And you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing setup when you think about it. This is the, the genius of the, of the Buddha. Everybody is a winner. Everybody benefits in this kind of setting. So, just uh, chewing on this a lot uh, since these kinds of experiences. And, you know, um, so much as meditators, so much of what we see in the mind, uh, not just on the cushion, but throughout life, because we're trained observers of life. You know, we're training ourselves to see what is going on in the mind and in the heart. And so much of what we see is the um, obstructions. The obstacles, the difficult things, that and and rightfully so. That's what we, we want to see. You know, we're we're trying to be aware of these. And in many ways, the uh, the beauty of the meditation practice is that sometimes, in ways that we aren't that aren't even apparent, or in ways that we're not actually actively doing, those um, difficult uh, states of mind are being worn away. You know just by sheer, sheer uh, willingness to endure them, to have a look, to be honest, to see what's going on in there. And so there's this whole process where uh, self-view is being overcome, um, defilements are being uprooted just um, through this act of, uh, of meditation. But the, the other side of um, waking up is also this uh, cultivation side. You know this this uh, uh, way of um, just coming at the whole process from another angle, which is to discern, to see, uh, to see the good, to see the, the skillful conduct, and see the very nuance, the many nuances of that conduct, and um, be able to, to sort out the the good from the not so good, <laughs> and kind of fan the flame of the natural arisings of skillfulness. That are coming up in this heart and and uh so generosity is one of the biggies you know Uh, that the buddha strongly encouraged that we we see and feel and uh you know blow on it (laughs) fan the flame of it bring it bring it up uh, make it uh, strong in the heart and and uh this is largely how we do it it's just by seeing it when it's there and uh you know, looking for ways to, to make that happen. And just identifying how, um, uh, it, it, how it's happening already. Uh, and noticing the, the various qualities uh, that maybe accompany it. So um, the idea then, uh, as the practice is set up, like someone was saying in class today, is to not to, to judge or to criticize or to have any opinion or view about what we see in our hearts, but to just see it as purely and as cleanly as we can and learn uh, from the direct experience of whatever it might be. And, you know, the, 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 the mind... I often say that this mind is ignorant, but it's not stupid you yeah. yeah. it will see it it, it just needs to um, know where to look and how to look <clears> and um, take things to heart so this this uh, sutra there's actually two sutras that um, um, list a number of uh, qualities they're called that they're, they're in the Anguttara and Akaya maybe I'll, I'll put that book out so you can see both of them you have one in your source book but there's another so. one and one is called the eight ways to give, and one is called the eight reasons for giving, and they're very similar lists, but there's slight uh, differences in them. And uh, the the idea here is, um, you know, I mean, you could you, you could use these kinds of lists incorrectly and see that there's some things in that list that maybe aren't as great as other ones. You know, like to, to give this way might not be as good as giving that way, and uh, you know, the incorrect use of it would be to, to be um, sort of pouncing on your um, the forms of giving that arise in your heart that maybe aren't as mature or aren't as elevated uh, and and that uh, the, the correct way to use a list like this however is just as as many of the lists in the Buddhist teachings where the Buddha is just kind of pointing to in, in and impartially and impersonally in a way that doesn't carry any kind of judgment in it. To say, oh look, look at it. Sometimes it's going to look like this. How does that feel? Sometimes when it comes up it's going to look like this. How does that feel? Yeah, you know, sometimes it's going to look like this. How does that feel? just to keep pointing us in the direction of what actually does happen, so that we can discern for ourselves. You know, what feels better? Giving to get or giving to ennoble the mind, you know? That kind of thing. So just really understanding that this is what he's getting at with lists like this. So yeah, there might be a bit of a hierarchy on one level, but don't try not to hold it that way. okay So like for example, he says, sometimes we give out of exasperation. Yeah, and uh, I've certainly seen this one. You know, where somebody's bugging you. You know, gimme, 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 gimme. gimme, gimme. I'll take it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's that kind of thing. You know, (laughs) and and uh, interesting though that this is on the list. This is giving. This is giving. Uh, Or he says sometimes we give out of fear or shame. Um, You know, just uh, a sense of. Giving because it's expected or you're in a situation where everybody's supposed to but you you know Maybe you don't want to but everybody else is so you have to and you know I had a, I had a real workout with that in my, in my own experience one time when I went to a, a retreat in another tradition and it was one of these things where I was just scraping the barrel to get enough money to go and uh, and it was a very expensive retreat so um, you know i had managed to do it i wanted to hear this particular teacher Uh, but then what i didn't know is that part of their tradition was at some point during the retreat the the teacher appears on this throne with and um everybody is supposed to go up and take a white sash and you hand it to them and then they put it on you and they give you a blessing and then you're supposed to put something in the basket. And so everybody gets a a kata and an envelope, you know. (laughs) And uh, I'll never forget, you know, I was so irritated. I was so annoyed with this envelope because the the whole retreat thing, the whole uh, advertisement for it said um, that the Donna was included. And now here they were asking for more. And I didn't have more, you know. And, and, And so I sat there and I entertained the idea for a little while of just Licking the envelope and putting it in there empty, you know. <laughs> so that's I'll that'll show them, you know. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. But uh, I was, you know, when I got when I slowed it down a little bit, I was I was ashamed, you know, that I didn't have it, and afraid of what people might think of me, you know. Uh, that kind of thing was all going on, and so I did, you know, put a little bit in there and went through it, but. You know, and this is just what the Buddha is pointing to. I think it's just how did that feel? <laughs> yeah, that didn't feel very good. When it's not, but it was giving. I was yeah, I gave him something. You yeah. know, but it had this. It's always it's often this mixed state, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the the other stuff was a little more dominant. He said sometimes we give out of an idea, and one might say, a good idea. It's a very good idea to, to give. And um, this, you know, when you look and see, this kind of giving is a, is a lot more based in the head than the heart. You know, you begin to notice the, this kind of difference, you know, where you, we latch on to an idea, and it's a good idea, and, but one doesn't really re- realize that you're actually clinging to the idea. That's the dominant experience, you know, the, the generosity. Is only a small bit of it. It's actually trying to do the right thing, or um, you know, just uh, do the politically correct thing, or something like this. Whatever might be the motivation at this level, or like for, you know, for myself, many years going to the monastery. I, if I'm honest, looking back, you know, especially the early years, 20 years ago. You know, what I came to, where I was at that time in my life and what I brought to the monastery was an incredible amount of um, compulsion, driven quality in life. You know, how one is just um, doing this and doing that and going here and going there and uh, filling all one's duties and one's responsibilities. And that's very much how I lived my life, you know, uh, especially my professional life. So it was no wonder when I got to the monasteries that um, you know, I would get up before morning puja sometimes to start working and work all day and just put in 12, 14 hours a day just to give, 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 give. Very happy in it. I mean, I wouldn't say I wasn't happy in it, but years later, looking back on it, you know, I say, boy, I was neurotic as hell, you know. <laughs> I just, you know, yeah, okay, you know, scrape the windows, okay, scrape the windows, okay, bake some bread, bake some bread, you know, okay, go clean this, paint this building, okay, go do that, and just do whatever one is told, and just kind of, but, but riding on what, you know, it was just a lot of nervous energy. And sure, in that mix, a lot of good-heartedness, you know. I mean, I could have been doing anything else. I was at the monastery giving serving supporting what was going on there but always often with this uh, quality to it and it really took uh, many many years later where um uh, when uh, I, I was um just contemplating the, the value of this particular monk in my life who had been my teacher he was so helpful <laughs> you know it was just like oh one, one can get be so grateful to one's teacher for what you learn, you know, it's like uh, so many ways that were caught in the muck and the mire and they often have a way of just t- turning, you get, turning you a quarter turn so you can look at it in another way and, uh, you know, had built up quite um, a reservoir of gratitude and appreciation and wanting to express it in some way other than just baking muffins, you know. <laughs> and so. Um, I, I arranged I actually arranged with the study center here uh, Andy and I talked about it said I'd really like to give this monk a very special gift and he's carrying a lot of burdens uh, a lot of duties and responsibilities for a long time um, can we somehow uh, can I somehow arrange to have him come here and have a a, a a retreat that and I and and so we we worked it out I worked it out with IMS to get food over there and bring it over here and heat it up the next day, that kind of thing. We could give one of the cooties and then, but somebody needed to be here all the time to serve, to support. And so uh, I stayed in the farmhouse and, and and did this for six weeks and invited um, a number of people to come and uh, offer as well because I didn't want to be piggy about, you know, I <laughs> wanted other people to have the same uh, pleasure in it. So, but most of the time it was just me. And uh, that was a real turning point because uh, away from the giddiness and the hustle and bustle of the monastery, uh, one was uh, able to have direct contact with this being who um, has uh, renounced. And um, whose uh, practice one values, and whose life one's about one values, and just to be able to um, directly be the one who is providing the food, clothing, shelter, and medicine, you know, and and somehow, um, you know, in ways it's deeply feeling level, it might be hard to describe uh, that the experience of that. Um, it helped me to really make contact with uh, the act of giving, the experience of offering. Because this, this was done silently, and this was done without eye contact. And, and all this energy, um, all day, would go into making this possible, and yet the moment was only a few moments each day, but it, it, it was powerful. Yeah. Know, just just repeated day after day after day. Mm-hmm. Extending, 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 <laughs> offering, and you know the, the, the beginnings in some ways of uh, the, the d- direct experience of generosity uh, in in a, in a in a clean way, you know, just not wanting anything back. Not, not expecting anything back. So this, uh, it, you know, represented for me a, a, a kind of a, a leap, really, from um, just a dutiful giving, which we I mean, let's be honest, even with our most dear uh, and loved ones, you know, it, 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 gets, it can get locked in at that level where it's dutiful, one is fulfilling one's responsibilities and yet one can miss um, the the depth of the heart and, and it's a constant effort to keep um, relating to what's going on in the heart at that level and, and stop letting the, the, the duty the sense of responsibility, the compulsion, the neurosis, all of that. Uh, let you know, you know, uh, stop letting that take center stage. Yes, acknowledging that maybe that's there, but to keep the heart, the mind, the attention focused on this, you know, the, the offering, really feeling it, really allowing the heart to feel it. You know, otherwise, what, what ends up happening is we we just keep missing the experience, and the 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 sheer joy of generosity and all that it does for the heart. Uh, it just keeps lurking in the in the background, <laughs> in some subterranean unconscious level. You know, it never gets to move um, to the uh, center of our experience. So just. Uh noticing this and and trying to remember a lot of it is just the remembering so the buddha says sometimes we give to gain a good reputation (laughs) yeah and uh, you know i I was when i read this i I was recalling the um my youth in the in the church where on the big holidays the, the church on the uh, following week would publish the um, list of all of uh, who gave what who gave how much you know <laughs> for all to see <laughs> you know and uh, i can remember my sisters and i we would love it we want to see who the rich people were you know <laughs> and look and see who were the big donors but you know and, and thinking about it more as a uh, an adult you know, I would think, oh, that's horrible, what if that was encouraging people to give just to, to, mm-hmm. to have a good reputation, that's not so good. And then I thought, oh, I wouldn't have do that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the very next thought that popped up into my mind was remembering um, one time when I, I made muffins at the monastery and how I would do with it, you know? <laughs> not one time, many times. It's like you make these, you make these, uh, your, your, your best dish, you know, and um, you want to put it on the table for the monks and nuns to receive, and so I would do this a lot, and I'm, I'm kind of known at the monastery as the muffin maven, you know, so they know when I'm coming they're going to get muffins, you know, and, and so uh, I, I would watch, and I'd, I'd make my muffins, and certainly in the early years, it was clearly, clearly um, of putting them center stage. You know, putting them in that part of the table where they would be sure to be seen and be sure to be received. And I would, and everybody would know they were from me. <laughs> you know, it was definitely that feeling going on. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, over the years, that kind of thing at the monastery gets a huge workout. Because there, you just never know when um, a whole busload of people with casseroles and cream puffs and chocolate eclairs is going to come through the door. And they can happen at the very last minute, just after you've set up the table with your muffins in the prime <laughs> spot, you know, and then, and then all these people, this whole truckload or busload of people will come in with their things, you know, and get those muffins out of here, you know, <laughs> Put, putting their stuff in the prime spot, you know. And uh, just just to watch this change over the years, where like, a, a, you know, years ago, It'd be like, oh, what a nice offering. Here, I'll put it back over here, you know. Uh, Because my job would be there to help them to arrange it, you know. and uh, Always still trying to keep my muffins, you know, right up there in the the front, you know. And and then, you know, after a while, um, not only um, do you have to give it up just out of the sheer volume of what comes in, but, you know, you, you start to notice how that feels, you know this is kind of yucky. Is this the way you really want to be? You know, mm-hmm. And, and uh, over time, I, I would actually make it a practice to um, receive whatever was offered and to keep putting it in the prime spot. You know, Oh, that's fabulous. Oh, here, let's get these muffins out of here. Let's put your thing right here. You know? and, and, and just uh, really making that a very deliberate effort. And, and oh, it felt so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, th- these these people are, uh, you know, the, the effort to help people to feel good about their own generosity mm-hmm. uh, supplanted uh, this, you know, giving to gain a good reputation <laughs> very quickly over the years. It, it doesn't take much. You see it if you just look. And as I said, the, the heart's not, not stupid. It's very transparent. So, one learns actually, and especially from the ties, you really learn that it's, it's not about them getting it, it's all about you offering it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where all the action is, and that's what you want to be paying attention to, because they, they were like, oh it doesn't matter, oh yeah, put it any place, you know, and I couldn't believe just watching them how they could have that attitude, you know. But th- their work is already done, they had already made the offering. In their heart, once that, once they arrived and put it on the table, and at, at that point they release it, their work is done. And they, I would ask them about this, and one one Thai woman told me that they have this expression in Thailand. Uh, it's called um, polishing the back of the Buddha. <laughs> that uh, you you want your generosity to be such that um, you know when all the the lay men and women go in to polish the buddha there's the ones that polish the front so that everybody can see them do it and see the effect but there's the ones that go around the back and polish the back of the buddha you know that's the quality they say that they you're going for that's that's a that's a good one to chew on a bit he said sometimes we give to repay a favor and uh, this is, uh, you know, so we were touching on this a little bit today. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think in, in some ways, this is what it's gotten diminished to in uh, the United States. It's not that it's bad, but um, it's troubling when you start to get attuned to generosity to hear, like, say, the Donna talk, ta- talk about whether they taught you, so now you give to them or something like that, you know, because it's... Um, it. it it was never meant to be that, and it's not meant to be that. And, and, and it actually is encouraging people to um, give out of something that um, is, is potentially a little uh, more diminished from what it could be. You know, it, it could actually be a lot more exalted in one sense. So that um, there's this, uh, uh, they used to say at the, at the, the, in India even today, but certainly at the time of the Buddha, that um, the, uh, certainly the traveling ascetics, but also the, the merchant class would often be moving from village to village to sell their wares. And they say that um, they actually look for the villages that have um, monastics uh, living on the outskirts of the village because um, they know that this is a village that um, is supporting them, is feeding them. They're not living far from the, the village. They go in for alms round each day. And uh, what that says to them is that the people in this town value spiritual practice. They understand what constitutes um, a healthy society. And so that if they go into those towns, um, they'll be met by good people, and they'll be well cared for. You know. This is often uh, the case even, even today, they say. So uh, basically what we're saying here is that this relationship of um, uh, giving to support um, people who have made the choice to, uh, in a way, be professional spiritual practitioners, you know, that this is a, um, a sign of a very um, healthy society. And and, uh, Ajahn Chah would say, you know, it's not the case that everybody is going to become a monk or a nun any more than everybody's going to become a a dancer or a concert pianist. You know, there's nothing, there's no shame in that. But it is important that um, society as a whole uh, has uh, both groups of people (laughs) and that they live in relationship with each other that even if one chooses not to live a renunciant life, that in no way does it diminish one to support that, (laughs) you know. In fact, everybody wins. It raises everybody up to acknowledge the importance of this. And I think in some ways we're seeing some of the uh, unhealthy consequences of the the loss of that. that, uh, not, not not, Not that it's gone in our culture, but it's not uh, on the front burner, you know. It's not a dominant way of being. So he says uh, some people will give to gain a happy rebirth. And this, is, this can be confusing because there's a lot in the Buddhist teachings that say that that's actually a fruit of giving, you know. But uh, what he's pointing to here is that giving for the purpose of um, experiencing a happy rebirth. Um, uh, you know, in, in a way, can uh, diminish it. Again, it's still giving, but just to recognize this, um, he says, sometimes we give out of altruism, and this is one of the interesting things I think in, in Buddhism. At least it was to me that um, you know, whenever he, the Buddha talks about wealth, it almost invariably he he talks about the happiness of great wealth the happiness that comes with great wealth, which is essentially that you you have more to give. (laughs) You know, you have more to, to, there's more ways that you can uh, help other people. And and, um, that um, is a very fortunate experience. So one of the blessings of great wealth is to to be able to give, to help those in need. But as we were saying today, that the most excellent uh, uh, reason is to purify the heart, and you know, as I said, it's all giving. It's all important. It's all important um, in the sense of um, developing one's sense of gener- one's ex- experience of generosity. But I think what he's pointing to here is that um, over the, the months and years and perhaps lifetimes of practice, one begins to really see for oneself the harm that is done through greed, hatred, and delusion, and wishes to, in a way, pull out all the stops to overcome, to override uh, those impulses in the heart. So one looks for every possible way (laughs) that one can do that. And and, uh, clearly what one is saying here is that when you get it, that um, any activity of the heart and mind that uh, is antithetical to greed, hatred, and delusion is a very, very worthy undertaking. So that, that's what's being said here. Do, do it so that these causes and conditions for harm in ourselves and in our society can be overridden. that That's the purpose. That's the purpose of this um, activity of the heart. There's this wonderful story that I, I love, um, stories about the, the lay people in the time of the Buddha. And this one who was a great benefactress, Visaka, um, very wealthy woman, um, who, by the way, became fully enlightened as a lay woman in, in, a, in her lifetime. And uh, she was very, very generous. And she, at one time, asked the Buddha um, if she, she wanted to give lifetime supply of uh, the four requisites for some 500 monks and nuns who were living in her town. And uh, it was a huge gift, you know, just to to be the constant uh, source of food, clothing, shelter, and medicine for these people, and for the people who worked to support them. Uh, She included that as well. Mm -hmm. And um, the Buddha, as he often did, uh, didn't uh, immediately accept it. And uh, so she asked again, and he didn't, still didn't immediately accept it. So she asks the third time and he says, well, well, okay, Wisaka, why? Why do you want to do this? You know, and uh, her response is, uh, surprised me. You know, she basically says, when I'm out and about and I see the monks and the nuns wearing the robes out of the cloth that I gave or carrying the bowls that I know I offered, it will make me very happy (laughs) and I'll be so happy that uh, my mind will get settled and I'll be able to meditate and see things more clearly. And as if to say that's the right answer, the Buddha said, okay, (laughs) you can give, (laughs) you can give that. It's beautiful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So someone w- was asking today about the um, uh, fruitfulness of giving and the receiving, and um, there's a uh, this this book we don't have this here. This is another a new um, collection that Tan Jeff has done. I'll put it out if you want to read it. It's on merit, and uh, there's a chapter in here on giving. There's one on merit making. There's one on uh, sila on good conduct. And what he does is he collects a bunch of um, suttas that address that particular teaching. So uh, I found the one that I was looking for when you mentioned it today in class. Uh, And this is about um, the experience of the, the giver and the receiver. And how is a donation endowed with six factors? There is the case where the donor has three factors and the recipient has three. And which are the donor's three factors? There is a case where the donor, before giving, is happy. While giving, his or her mind is clear and confident. And after giving, he or she is gratified. These are the donor's three factors. And which are the recipient's three factors? There is a case where the recipients are free from passion or free from practicing for the uh, subduing of passion, excuse me or uh, free, for, free from passion or are practicing for the subduing of passion. They're free of aversion or are practicing for the subduing of aversion. They are free of delusion or are practicing for the subduing of delusion. These are the recipients, the factors. This is the the paragraph that gets me. It says just as it is so just as it is, as it is not easy to take the measure of the water in the great ocean as just this many pails of water, or hundreds of pails of water, or thousands of pails of water, or hundreds of thousands of pails of water. It is reckoned simply as a great mass of water that is unreckonable and immeasurable. In the same way, it is not easy to take the measure of the merit of a donation thus endowed with these six factors. As just this much bonanza of merit, this much bonanza of skillfulness, nourishment of bliss, heavenly, ripening and bliss, leading to heaven, leading to what is agreeable, pleasing, charming, happy, and beneficial. It is reckoned simply as a great mass of merit that is unreckonable and immeasurable. <laughs> Love that one. So just in closing, and this is from another book that I've put out, Conti uh, Paolo, one of my favorite teachers, um, touching also on something we mentioned today. Um, he says that uh, perhaps the most compelling reason for practicing generosity may be this, that Donna sustains us at the time of our death. It is said uh, that the generous man will never regret his life as he lies dying nor will his mind be beset by fears regarding his future. For he can review all his generosity, all his kindness, all his support of what is good. This reviewing is called Chaganusati: Sati, the recollection of generosity. And when one recollects excellent conduct, even though it be a deed done many years ago, then the mind becomes quiet, peaceful, and set in the way of the Dhamma. A nice thought for those last moments. <laughs> so i offer you this for your reflection tonight.